We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 455 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Friday December 2nd 2022 are you ready for the biggest Washington New York Giants December game in years if only Pat Summerall and John Madden were calling the game on CBS uh, the seven and five commanders at the 7-4 and four New York Giants Sunday afternoon at 1. Commanders currently in possession of the NFC's third and final wildcard spot. Giants currently in possession of the NFC's second wildcard spot. I am reminded of my favorite soundbite from legendary Redskins head coach George Allen. He was the Skins head coach from 1971 through 1977. That was well before my time, but I have learned a good bit about George via NFL Films, including an NFL Films documentary on the 1971 Redskins titled Three Cheers for the Redskins. Uh, Each of George Allen's seven seasons as Skins head coach was a winning season. He had a regular season winning percentage as Skins head coach of 691, which is absurd. Uh, He is not the greatest head coach in Washington history. Uh, That man, of course, is Joe Gibbs, but George Allen is an excellent number two. The 1971 season was George Allen's first season as Skins head coach. The Skins began the 1971 regular season with a 24-17 win at the St. Louis Cardinals. After the win, this was George Allen in the locker room with his players. Let's have three cheers for the Redskins. You know what you did? You beat them in their own backyard. You came from behind. 
and we show we got some character. Next week we get those goddamn giants. I love that. Next week we get those GD giants. Yes, this Sunday afternoon the commanders get those GD giants. Hello and welcome to this commanders pregame show. Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's how well things are going for the Commanders right now. It's not just that they've won six of their last seven games. It's also that they, for the first time in franchise history, have had a player win NFC Special Teams Player of the Month for each of two consecutive months in the same season. Uh, Punter Tress Way won the award for October, and kicker Joey Sly has won the award for November. Uh, We got the news on Thursday morning, and I know Joey missed an extra point attempt in the 1913 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon, and that missed extra point attempt loomed large as the game went on, but the Commanders won the game. Uh, Joey in November, 10 of 10 on field goals as the Commanders went 3-1. and one. He was sensational in the big win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football on November 14th. 4-4 four of four on field goals of 44, 58, 32, and 55 yards. Coming up on the show, in-depth preview of Commanders at the Giants. I have the very latest on Commanders injuries for the game. Are we in fact going to see Samuel Cosme as a team starting right guard on Sunday afternoon. And what's going on with running back Antonio Gibson? I have a bunch of good stuff from Commander's Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner and Defensive Coordinator Jack Del Rio from their post-practice press conferences on Thursday afternoon, including Jack with an apparent message to edge defender Chase Young. Wait till you hear this. Uh, I have a number of key stats for you. I have a good guest to tell us about the Giants. Giants insider Paul DeTino of WFAN Radio in New York and MSG Network TV in New York. Uh, Paul has covered the Giants since 1983. I have my rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Giants, and I have a prediction for the game. Also on the show, we'll talk Capitals. Uh, They late night on Thursday night lost at the Seattle Kraken 3-2 3-2 in overtime, and Caps head coach Peter Laviolette, after the game, very upset with his team. You'll hear why. Uh, and I on the show will hit on some college football, including multiple honors for James Madison quarterback Todd Santeo and Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong, reportedly entering the NCAA transfer portal. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from David Hilliard in Elkton, Maryland, writes Dave, really enjoy your show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Dave, continues Dave. Watching the commanders, I continue to like Tay-Tay more and more. Taylor Heineke is the guy everyone loves to play with. It always feels like it's not over as long as there is a glimmer. Granted, he more or less lost the game that we had in the bag against Minnesota. I also feel better about the Commanders. I like their chances of getting a split with New York and Dallas. It's great to see the Commanders legitimately in contention for a change as they weren't last year and backed into the playoffs the year before. I had nearly given up after the four-game losing skid as it really felt like last year all over. I could be wrong but it feels different now. Also, remember Marty Bowl? There is no such thing as a boring win. Uh, Thank you for the email, Dave. You know what's nice about the position that the commanders are in? They don't have to win out 
So many recent Washington playoff seasons have included the team rallying late in the regular season via winning out to make the postseason. 2005, the Redskins went from 5 and 6 to 10 and 6. 2007, the Skins went from 5 and 7 to 9 and 7. 2012, the Skins went from 3 and 6 to 10 and 6. 2015, the Skins went from 5 and 7 to 9 and 7, although they didn't have to win their regular season finale, uh, which was a win at the Cowboys. The nice thing about this commander season is that the team already has rallied six wins in seven games. And if the commanders go just three and two the rest of the regular season, they'll very likely be in the playoffs. And going three and two the rest of the regular season, it certainly isn't easy, but I mean, that is doable. And yes, especially when you are in playoff contention, there's no such thing as a boring win. Shout out Marty Schottenheimer, Redskins head coach for one season, the 2001 season. He would absolutely love the style of football that the commanders are playing right now. Email from Tom Mirabella on the commander's path to the playoffs, writes Tom. I'm looking at the schedule both for our commanders and the other teams in the playoff hunt. Although I do not have a crystal ball, this is the way that I see things going. Assuming that the Eagles are a lock to win the NFC East, the Vikings are a lock for the Central, and the 49ers take clear control of the West, our main competition for the three wildcard spots are the Seahawks, the second place team in the South, Hawks or Falcons, and the Lions alongside the Cowboys and Giants within our division. I don't think that finishing with a record of 9-8 and eight will get the job done. We need to get into third place in the NFC East. We need three more wins. Therefore, Week 17 against the Browns is a must-win for the Manders. Weeks 13 and 15 against the Giants, we need to at least split. If we lose to the 49ers in Week 16, that would leave us 9-7 and seven heading into the final week against Dallas. Win on Sonny Jurgensen Day and we are in, lose, and the season is likely over, barring some great luck with tiebreakers. We have a dominating defensive line, two of the best young safeties in the NFL, loads of talent at the offensive skill positions, a headband-wearing, Air Jordan-buying, pylon-diving gamer at quarterback, and best of all, an owner who is looking to sell, baby. When was the last time we had this much hope? in the DMV. Thank you for the email, Tom. Great analysis. And the answer is it has been forever since we have had a December with this much optimism regarding the football team because we have never had this triple whammy of A, the team is surging, B, the team is in possession of a playoff spot, and C, Dan and Tanya Snyder are at the very least open to selling the team, if not outright looking to sell the team. Email from Addison Lyon writes, Addison, first and foremost, I would like to thank you for the morning podcast every day. I listen to the pod at work every morning, and it's a great way to start my day. You do amazing work, and even after 450 plus episodes, I still look forward to them. Well, thank you, Addison. Much appreciated. Continues, Addison. Now on to the commanders. Is it bad to say that as a fan, I'm loving the current state of this team. But as excited as I am for the current team's success, I can't stop thinking that I still would like to move on from Ron Rivera even after this season. Although he has the team playing very well as of right now, I feel as if this is a trend with him 
during his tenure in the NFL. Teams start off extremely slow, and then they become the hottest thing since Wonder Bread. However, never hot enough to continue the trend into the playoffs, except for his one outlier season in Carolina. Thank you for taking my email, and I look forward to hearing your response. Uh, Yeah, I hear you, Addison. I do. I mean, it may well be that Ron Rivera is the kind of head coach who's too good to be bad, but not good enough to be great. But what really complicates the situation with Ron is this ownership situation. The belief is that Ron has two years left on his contract after this season. If you're Dan Snyder and you're selling the team why would you incur the cost of firing Ron and his coaching staff when he and presumably some, if not most, of his assistants have multiple seasons left under contract? And why would Dan incur the cost of also hiring a new coaching staff? Uh, I don't see Dan taking on those costs if he's selling the team. And while the new ownership could come in and clean house if the sale doesn't happen until March, uh, then you're not going to clean house after the coaching cycle of January and February is complete and potentially after free agency and the trading period already have started. And I say March because remember Fox Sports NFL insider Jake Glazer on Fox NFL Sunday on November 6th reported that the intent of Dan Snyder was, quote, to sell the entire team, end quote, that the asking price was going to be around $7 billion and that the hope was to have the sale finalized by the NFL League meeting in March 2023. Well, where exactly the commander's ownership situation is going and when exactly it'll be resolved, who the heck knows? I do know that if you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Founded in 1979, Paulson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. You see, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused clients' harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Heck, take a case that was recently concluded. Paulson and Nace in July won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly $1.8 million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Paulson and Nace defeated the U.S. government. Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, 
call Paulson and Nason schedule a no obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nason 202 902 7611. That's 202 902 7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nason that Al Galdi sent you. You can schedule that no obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit PolsonandNace.com. That's PolsonandNace.com. Just make sure that you tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Polson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Polson and Nace. If you would like to advertise your business or practice on the Al Galdi podcast and reach thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price and thus grow your business or practice, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Big game on Sunday. Seven and five commanders at the seven and four New York Giants Sunday afternoon at one. A win by the commanders would take them from having the third and final wildcard spot in the NFC to having its second wildcard spot, which currently is held by the Giants. Next segment, I'll talk commanders defense. This segment, commanders offense, for which there was at least somewhat concerning injury news on Thursday. Uh, Running back Antonio Gibson did not practice on Thursday off having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. He's dealing with a foot issue. Commander's offensive coordinator Scott Turner did a post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. This was Scott on Antonio Gibson. I think Antonio, um, you know, we got a plan for him to get him ready. I think, you know, as we go, he'll be all right. Um, If he wasn't able to, it would be a group effort. I mean, obviously, uh, Brian's got a pretty big, you know, workload. Um, you know, Jonathan Williams, um, you know, we have done Curtis in the backfield, and then we, we, we have some other options that we could work with um, as you go. But, uh, you know, B-Rob's going to get what he what he gets. It's going to be, it'd be hard to give him much more. Okay, so it does sound like Scott Turner expects Antonio Gibson to be able to play on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Remember this with Gibson. He has been banged up a lot, but he has not missed many games. Uh, Gibson, over his three NFL seasons, has played in 42 of a possible 45 regular season games. Also on Thursday, right guard Trey Turner did not practice for a second consecutive day. Uh, He is dealing with with knee and ankle ailments, and so it very much is feeling like there's a good chance that Samuel Cosme will be the commander starting right guard on Sunday afternoon. Uh, he, over his two NFL seasons, of course, has been a right tackle, but he this week has been practicing at right guard. Uh, this off Cosme in each of the commander's last three games, having been in this really unique rotation at right tackle with Cornelius Lucas. Uh, Cosme still is recovering from a finger injury on his left hand. He was inactive for two consecutive games, weeks five and six. We, on October 4th, had multiple reports that Cosme had undergone thumb surgery that day, although he on Wednesday afternoon told reporters that he still only has full use of three fingers on his left hand. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Sam Cosme potentially playing right guard on Sunday afternoon. You know, I think, you know, as the season goes on um, and you have some guys in and out of the lineup as a, you know, on the offensive line, 
you want to get your best five guys out there. So, you know, being able to move Sam around a little bit, you know, having him in there at guard, um, giving that, having that be an option of something that we can do. Um, if that gets our best five out there, that's something that we'll, we'll be, be able to do. But we just want to be able to have that option, you know, so we can get him, get him on the field. Cause he's a good player. Obviously him and, and big Luke have been playing, um, kind of splitting time. Both been playing pretty well, so if we can get them out there together, that'd be something that'd be positive for us. Yes, it would be. Uh, Cornelius Lucas is playing well at right tackle, so to me, you'd like to keep him there. Uh, Lucas, for the 2022 regular season through Week 12, was number one among all qualified offensive tackles in the NFL in ESPN's run block win rate at 85%, uh, and he has been the commander's highest-graded offensive lineman for Pro Football Focus for each of the team's last two games. And you heard Scott Turner in that cut that I just played for you talk about what I think is a good philosophy for which offensive lineman to play. Just play your best five. I know that it's not always as simple as that, but generally speaking, tackles can play guard. Just get your five best overall offensive linemen out there. The only other commander's offensive player on the team's 53-man roster who did not practice on Thursday was receiver Dax Milne. Uh, He did not practice for a second consecutive day due to the foot injury that caused him to be inactive for the 1913 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Uh, Tight end Logan Thomas on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day due to a rib problem. Center Tyler Larson on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day due to a shoulder ailment. Also on Thursday, quarterback Carson Wentz was not at practice due to illness, as there is a non-COVID illness that has been going around the team, uh, Carson being sick would seem to work against him being activated to the 53-man roster to beat Taylor Heineke's backup for Sunday afternoon. Uh, we shall see. Remember, Carson still is on the reserve injured list uh, coming off the fractured right ring finger. Uh, on Thursday's show, episode 454, did a statistical deep dive on Taylor versus Carson. Uh, Taylor has Carson beat in a number of key categories, but what's also true is that Carson has the better overall grade for pro football focus, 63.1 versus 50.7. And what a lot of that is about is the extent to which Taylor has been guilty of turnover-worthy plays, which include interceptable passes. Uh, Taylor has thrown a lot of interceptable passes that, thanks to the Taylor Haneke magic, the Taylor Haneke Kavorka, uh, have been dropped by defensive players or just have not been intercepted for some other reason. This was Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on if he cares about turnover-worthy plays or just plays that result in actual turnovers. Yeah, you don't want you don't want the ball to be in uh, um, in harm's way. You know, the the first throw in the Houston game. You know that that wasn't a great decision. Obviously, um, we coach the individual plays about you know good decision, bad decision. Um, you know, it's it's different. Like, okay, you're giving a guy a shot, and and I don't know. Like, I don't look at what PFF grades as a tur- turnover worthy play. Like, sometimes we're going to give our guy a shot, and maybe the DB got his hand on it at the end. Like, I don't know. I don't know how they grade that. I wouldn't say that's a uh, turnover worthy play. Um, but you know, we're coaching him um, based on how we see it. You know, the decision making process, and then based on how he does response to that. That's how we you know we respond to him. 
Yeah, and that makes sense. Uh, now, one of Taylor Heideke's best games last season was a game against the Giants, the 30-29 walk-off win over the Giants at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football on September 16th, 2021. Taylor in that game, 34 of 46 for 336 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He took one sack and he had four carries for just six yards. Uh, Taylor, as you may recall, won that game with his arm. The Giants defense has an odd profile. Uh, First of all, the Giants have been blasted by injuries. Uh, The Giants could be getting some guys back for this game on Sunday afternoon. We'll see. Uh, The Giants actually didn't practice on Thursday. Their injury report for Thursday was an estimation of what guys would have done. Remember, the Giants' last game was on Thanksgiving, a 28-20 loss at the Dallas Cowboys. Giants head coach Brian Dable this week uh, actually had his team practice on Tuesday, which in a normal regular season week for an NFL team is a day off for players. But the Giants for the 2022 regular season through week 12 had bad defensive rankings, uh, just 28th in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric, just 28th in the NFL in pass defense per DVOA, just 27th in the NFL in run defense per DVOA, just 26th in the NFL in lowest opponent's yards per play. But the Giants for the 2022 regular season through week 12 also were number seven in the NFL in lowest opponent's third down efficiency and were number five in the NFL in lowest opponent's red zone percentage. So the Giants defense gives up yards, but the Giants defense also has been good on third downs and on red zone possessions. Although there's a caveat to that, the Giants defense in recent weeks has not been good on third downs and on red zone possessions. Uh, Speaking of the red zone, Commanders receiver Jahan Dotson. He had been a big red zone weapon for the team this season, but he has been a non-factor recently. Uh, Jahan, over three games since returning from a five-game absence that was caused by a hamstring injury, has totaled two receptions for 27 yards on four targets, and his playing time is way down as compared to where it was at early in the season, although he still leads the commanders in receiving touchdowns in the 2022 regular season with four. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Jahan Dodson. Jahan's been great. Uh, I think, you know, at receiver, you know, it's not all about um, production all the time. You know, I mean, the guy can be winning on routes and the ball doesn't go his way. Uh, We're running the ball a lot more than we were earlier in the season, too, so everybody's opportunities are cut down you know terry's eighth in the league and uh in receiving so you know when we do throw it he's getting a a large share of it so i think you know there's going to be games um as we go down the stretch here where you're going to see more production from john i think a part of it is just kind of how the how the games have come up so you heard scott turner mention that the commanders have been leaning on their running game a lot uh yes they have been Running back Brian Robinson Jr. is coming off a great performance in the win over the Falcons. He had 18 carries for 105 yards and had two receptions for 20 yards and a touchdown on three targets and playing on 48% of the commander's offensive snaps. Robinson is the highest graded qualified rookie in the NFL for pro football focus since week 10. Overall grade of 86.5. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on where he has seen the biggest difference in Brian Robinson Jr. in recent weeks. Just 
decisiveness, playing fast, not trying to be perfect, you know, understanding, you know, the speed of the game. And um, the more reps he gets, the more comfortable he's going to feel. And, and that's, that's showing up, you know, on tape. Another commander's running back who stood out in the win over the Falcons was Jonathan Williams. Four carries for 22 yards in playing on just five of the commander's offensive snaps. Uh, Williams had back-to-back good runs on the commander's sixth offensive drive, what was an 11-play 60-yard drive that consumed six minutes, 13 seconds off the clock, resulted in Taylor Heineke's third quarter, first and 10, 16-yard shotgun play action, touchdown pass to tight end John Bates. The ninth snap of the drive, Williams had a first and 10, nine-yard shotgun handoff run. The 10th snap of the drive in the snap Right before the touchdown, Williams had a second and one, one yard shotgun handoff run. And then Williams had back-to-back good runs on the commander's seventh offensive drive. Uh, This drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's fourth quarter 45-yard field goal for a 19-13 commander's lead. Sixth snap of the drive, Williams had a first and 10, nine-yard shotgun handoff run. The seventh snap of the drive, Williams had a second and one, three-yard under center handoff run. Jonathan Williams was taken by the Buffalo Bills in the fifth round of the 2016 NFL Draft out of Arkansas. He is what you call an NFL survivor. Uh, Washington, on December 8th, 2021, signed Williams off the Giants practice squad. Uh, This began his third stint with Washington, which this past January re-signed Williams to what's called a reserve future contract. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Jonathan Williams. He has a, a really good role for us. You know, obviously as the third guy, he came in, had, you know, four really nice carries. He he, he runs really hard, um, creates a little spark uh, that way. So, you know, he's played well in other spots. He's the kind of guy that, you know, typical guy in the NFL is a backup type player that is just itching for an opportunity. And he's done a great job of when he's gotten that opportunity. And, and you know, the physical nature of this game. And as the year goes on, I'm sure he's going to get more and more. And we feel really good about him uh, when that happens. Yeah. Something else to feel good about with the commander's running game is the blocking from receivers. Uh, We saw that in particular on one of Brian Robinson Jr.'s big runs in the win over the Falcons. On a third quarter, third and one for the commanders at their 34, Robinson had a 21-yard under center toss run on which John Bates and receivers Curtis Samuel and Deami Brown all had good blocks. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on it. If you've seen the run blocking of commanders receivers improve as the season has gone on. Yeah, uh, our guys take a lot of pride in that. Like they don't ever want to be the guy who to look back on the tape and see that their guy's the guy that made the tackle. You know, um, you know, uh, our receiver coaches do a good job of you know holding those guys accountable as well, and they hold themselves accountable. Um, but yeah, they've gotten we've gotten a lot better as the year as the year goes on, or just in general, just just fighting to get a piece of a guy, and that helps spring. And even if it's for five, six, seven more yards, you know, those things add up and make a big difference. Yes, they do. Uh, We've talked a good bit about the nature of the commander's offense right now, and no, this is not an offensive formula that is conducive to great long-term success. You, in order to have great long-term success, need to have a good passing offense. The commanders still do not have that, but right now isn't about the long-term. Right now is about the now, and what the commanders are doing is working, and you know, given their personnel, What the commanders are doing offensively may well be the way that they have to play. 
Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on it. If it was hard to get to a point at which he felt comfortable being stubborn with the run. No, uh, it wasn't. I mean, once, you know, we started having success with it, um, you know, it's not about like me or the numbers or anything like that. It's about trying to do what's best for our team to win. And um, for right now, like in in the games that we've played, like that's what's happened. Now, there's going to be some times where it's not going to be that way, you know, and other guys are going to have to step up. And that's what this league's about and offensive football is about. But, you know, if it's not broke, you know, don't fix it. I tell you, the numbers really do stand out. The commanders during this run of six wins in seven games, so weeks six through 12, were number two in the NFL in rushing attempts per game and were just 26th in the NFL in pass attempts per game. It it is 1950 all over again. But what if the commanders over their final five regular season games have to lean on the passing offense. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on if he feels comfortable having to win a game with his passing offense. Yeah, no, I feel comfortable with that. I mean, we've we've done a nice job in some two-minute drills. I mean, we came back um, in Indy, you know, when we had to, um, you know, We've had some, you know, some other games earlier in the year. Obviously, it was a different kind of different setting, but the Jacksonville game, um, you know, we can play different style of game. You know, I mean, I think everybody, you know, your win percentage in the league, you know, for all the analytics guys out there, you play with a lead, you win more. Um, so you always want to play with a lead, but we feel, feel, feel comfortable playing however we need to. Yeah, I was very glad to hear Scott Turner in that cut mention playing with a lead. Uh, That is something that I have talked about on this podcast. That is something that is so important. That is something that, to me, like never gets talked about enough. And that something is the number one reason that the commanders have been able to have so many rushing attempts during this run of six wins in seven games. I was also glad to hear Scott reference the game in Indy, the 17-16 win at the Indianapolis Colts in Week 8 because the Commanders won that game in large part because of their passing offense. Uh, Taylor Heineke in that game came up huge in the fourth quarter off, remember, his first pass attempt in the quarter having been a brutal interception. But Taylor for that game averaged exactly nine yards per pass attempt which is outstanding. Uh, He over 31 pass attempts threw for 279 yards. Andy in that game completed 23 of his 31 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of 74.19, which is great. And he made an impact with his legs. He had six carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. Would love to see more of that on Sunday afternoon. Taylor's mobility being capitalized on is a good thing. The mobility of Tay-Tay being capitalized on is a good thing. Well, also a good thing is the work that real estate agent Kellen Hunt can do for you. Uh, You know, now actually is a good time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area. Housing prices are coming down due to an increase in inventory caused by the increases in mortgage rates with others not buying. Now's actually the perfect time to buy. When everyone else is zigging, you should be zagging. Contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter 
your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance or you have a young family looking for a bigger home or you are ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy and he will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And know this, Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing and he wants to help. So visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. See what he can do for you. Visit closeitwithkell.com and book your introductory call with Kellen Hunt. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit closeitwithkell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. This podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, is a success because of you, so thank you. Uh, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already doing that. Subscribing costs you nothing, and make sure that each episode is automatically downloaded right to your device. Uh, also, ratings and reviews help out the podcast a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying, that you like the podcast. We move now to the commander's defense in preparation for the game at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1. It is looking like corner Benjamin St. Juice is likely to miss a second consecutive game due to his right ankle injury. Uh, He on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day, so we may well see a lot of corner Christian Holmes for a second consecutive game. Uh, Holmes in the 1913 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon essentially got all of St. Juice's snaps. Uh, Holmes played on 96% of the commander's defensive snaps in the game. Uh, This off him in this 2022 regular season, having played on a total of six defensive snaps. And all things considered, he did just fine. Uh, The commanders took Holmes in the seventh round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Oklahoma State. The commanders for the 2022 regular season through week 12 had the following rankings per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Number 11 in total defense, number 14 in pass defense, number four in run defense. This has been a good defense uh, despite some key absences. I just mentioned what's going on with Benjamin St. Juice, but I mean, think about this. The team's best linebacker, Cole Holcomb, hasn't played since the win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in week seven due to a foot injury. Uh, the man who had been the team's highest paid corner, William Jackson III, he ended up being a bust to where he got benched and traded. And yet the defense is doing well. Commander's defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, did a post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. This was Jack on the commander's defense doing well this season, despite having been without some key pieces. Well, you know, I don't really, I don't really look at it that way. Um, we're just trying to do all we can to play good defense and help the football team win. And things happen, you know. And, and um, this is uh, 
a large number of years that I've been doing this playing and coaching. So things happen, and you have to prepare for the what-ifs, and you have to prepare those next men to be up because it's going to happen over the course of the season. That's just the way it is. So um, proud of proud of the fact that we're working hard and we're and we're kind of moving on um, and. You know, we've been able to withstand some things. So, ultimately, you know, you, you, you got to have a certain amount of health to to continue to play well. But uh, I, I like the way the guys have stepped up. All right, beyond Benjamin St. Juice, there has only been what other Commanders defensive player on the team's active roster who has been on the team's injury reports this week? Edge defender Chase Young. Uh, he on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day due to his recovery from the torn right knee that he suffered on November 14th, 2021. We, of course, still are waiting on Chase to make his 2022 season debut. The Commanders next week finally have their bye week for this season. So I do think that Chase not playing this Sunday afternoon is very much a possibility. But this was Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on reasonable expectations for Chase Young if slash when he does play this season. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Uh, play hard. You know, do the best he can to help the team. You know, I, I think um, the biggest thing is not, not to make it about him personally as much as just come out, give great effort, you know, fit into the rotation, um, and, uh, and, do, and do your job, you know. And that's what our guys have been doing, which is allowing us to play well. And uh, that's not going to change. Considering last year, is that something you address with him directly, or is that any conversation at all? Uh, the whole group. We talk about that all the time. Yeah, it's about, it's about us working together, you know, um, and uh, – It'll be no different when he returns, but I know there'll be a lot of attention on him, and I'm excited to get him myself, you know, to have him return, but um, it's still really about us doing our job, how it works together, you know, how it leads to a lot better results on Sundays when you're doing that. Yes, it does, but how about Jack Del Rio on Chase Young? Quote, the biggest thing is not to make it about him personally as much has just come out, give great effort, fit into the rotation, and do your job. That's what our guys have been doing, which has allowed us to play well, and that's not going to change. End quote. (laughs) I mean, did, did that not come off like a message from Jack to Chase? Did that not come off as, hey, Chase, we got a great thing going with our defensive line. Don't mess that up by playing as you did last season, as in not playing with rush discipline and not playing in adherence to the defensive scheme. Uh, That seemed like a not-so-subtle message from Jack Del Rio to Chase Young. So the Giants have not been very good offensively in losing three of their last four games, but the Giants for the 2022 regular season through Week 12 did have the following rankings per DVOA. Number 16 in the NFL in total offense, number 12 in the NFL in passing offense, number 11 in the NFL in rushing offense. Uh, The Giants' leading receiver in terms of receiving yards, Darius Slayton, he on Thursday was listed as dealing with an illness, so that's something to monitor over the next few days. Uh, the Giants' starting quarterback 
Daniel Jones. Uh, he is, of course, a dual-threat quarterback. You know, one of the biggest knocks on Jones had been his fumbling, but he this season has been a lot better in that department. Jones, over his first three NFL regular seasons, 2019 through 2021, over 38 games, totaled 36 fumbles, including 20 lost fumbles. But Jones, in this 2022 regular season, over 10 games, has totaled just three fumbles, two of which have been lost. And believe it or not, Jones, for the 2022 regular season through Week 12, was number 12 among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR at 58.1. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think Dable does a good job um, with with the offense, with with the team. Um, you know, they they've started real fast. Um, you know, a big part of that is being efficient with his quarterback play, getting his uh, running game going the way he has with Barkley. And uh, uh, yeah, I think you know Daniel Jones obviously at, at, at the helm. You know, he's he's done a real good job of directing their offense and leading them to seven wins. So um, yeah, I think you know he's a guy that's. He seems to play well against us. So in the past, he's he's played pretty well against us. So we we're looking forward to the challenge. Yeah, Daniel Jones over five career regular season games against Washington has the following stats: nine touchdown passes versus three interceptions, a yards per pass attempt of seven point two eight, a completion percentage of sixty eight point three five. 30 carries for 218 yards and a touchdown, 7.27 yards per carry, and a record of 4-1. Another Giants offensive player who has hurt Washington in the past is running back Saquon Barkley. Uh, Now, he suffered a torn right ACL in September 2020, did not have a very good 2021 season, but he, for the 2022 regular season through Week 12, was number four in the NFL in rushing yards at 992. Uh, That has come over 224 carries, 4.43 yards per carry. Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on Saquon Barkley. Yeah, he's he's right up there with as as talented as anybody in the league. Uh, He's clearly healthy again. Um, He's got tremendous explosion, uh, balance, contact balance, and he's got finishing speed. So, um, yeah, really good player, really good player. And they're obviously doing a great job of getting him touches and whether that be screens and checkdowns and and routes he's running or or um, or handing him the ball. But uh, uh, yeah, really good player. Will the Commanders' run defense bounce back this Sunday afternoon off a bad performance in the win over the Falcons last Sunday afternoon? Well, a big part of the Commanders' run defense, of course, is interior defensive lineman Duran Payne, who, of course, is having an outstanding season. Uh, Duran, for the 2022 regular season, already has a career-high six and a half sacks, and his next quarterback hit will be his career-high tying 15th. Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on Duran Payne this season becoming better at finishing his pass rushes. Yeah, I think, yeah, we talked about it, um, you know, because he's very disruptive. He's around, you know, he's hard to block, and he's around, uh, and and opportunities are there. So for him, it, it was more about focusing on the finish, and I think I think he's done a good job of, of, of getting that done this year. Um, 
And the other part is just the maturity, you know. And you know, young, some of our younger players they're maturing and 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 playing better. I mean, that's that's part of what we take pride in as coaches is developing our guys. And I think I, I think he's developing. I think he's he's doing a heck of a job. Yeah, no doubt about that. Deron Payne certainly made a tremendous play in the win over the Falcons. Late fourth quarter, second and goal for the Falcons at the four. Deron, a pass deflection and corner Kendall Fuller, an end zone interception on a shotgun pass by quarterback Marcus Mariota. Deron, for the 2022 regular season, has a career-high five pass defenses, uh, fellow interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen has three pass defenses. Edge defender Montez Sweat has two pass defenses. Are you noticing a trend? Uh, Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon on if defensive linemen getting their hands up to deflect passes is something that the commander's defensive line coach, Jeff Scanina, has been emphasizing. It's something I emphasize. I know um, he believes in it. And... Um we got a we got a key one last week, <laughs> so uh, those things those things pay off. So um, you know, working the drills, working the fundamentals, whether it's you know looking for turnovers, turnover drills, tip balls, those types of things, they all add up. They're little things, and some of the little details to me is what happens late in the year. Here we are in December now. Um, the teams that you know remember remember what fundamentals are. And, some of the basic principles that they have to play with, those, those are the teams that are going to play well down the stretch. Yeah, very true. And regarding Jeff Scanina, Commander's head coach Rod Rivera began a post-training camp practice press conference on August 9th by announcing that he had fired Commander's defensive line coach Sam Mills III and promoted assistant defensive line coach Jeff Scanina to defensive line coach. As this commander season goes on and we continue to see the commander's defensive line do so many good things, boy, it is hard to ignore that defensive line coach change having happened and the commander's defensive line having been as good as it has been. Well, no two NFC East teams have struggled in recent years as much as Washington and the New York Giants have struggled. Uh, Washington has not had back-to-back winning regular seasons since the 2015 and 2016 seasons and hasn't had back-to-back playoff seasons since making the playoffs in each of three consecutive seasons from 1990 through 1992. The Giants entered this season having had a double-digit loss regular season in seven of the last eight seasons. And so there have been oh so few truly big December games between Washington and the Giants for a long time. But we, this Sunday afternoon, have a big December game between Washington and the Giants. Seven and five commanders at the seven and four Giants this Sunday afternoon at one. The commanders are a half game behind the Giants for the NFC's second wildcard spot. I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, Giants insider Paul Dettino of WFAN Radio in New York and MSG Network Television in New York. Uh, Paul has covered the Giants since 1983. You can follow him on Twitter at GiantsWFAN. Paul, it's nice to talk to you again. How are you? Good to talk to you again, Al. And I have to tell you, even though these teams don't represent the quality of the Parcells and Gibbs era, 
they really ought to go back to RFK Stadium to play this one because it's going to be an absolute slugfest. Oh, boy. That is music to the ears of so many people listening right now. I can promise you that. Uh, well, you know the Giants as well as anybody. They offer six and one start, have lost three of their last four games. In the bigger picture, most Giants fans would have taken seven and four through 11 games in a heartbeat. But in terms of where the Giants are right now, why the struggles? There's no doubt that the uh, the injury bug has just ravaged them. Uh, three positions on this team have been decimated. And it's not just ding. I'm talking about absolutely ravaged. The wide receiver room, the offensive line room, and the defensive backs. <laughs> it doesn't take a genius to tell you that when you get three positions literally crawling to the finish line as they are, uh, you're going to have some troubles. So I don't know exactly where they stand right now as we discuss this on, on the program for this Sunday. It does appear they could have as many as four or five guys return to the lineup uh, against Washington, which would be a welcome sight for the coaching staff. But uh, if the Giants don't get some of these guys back, not just this week, but over the course of the ensuing weeks, it's going to be very difficult for them to hold on to a playoff spot. The Giants, during their 6-1 and one start, took a lot of criticism for being as bad of a 6-1 and one team as you'll ever see. Was that criticism fair? Well, let me ask you this. Uh, every month or every year, obviously, with the schedule rotation, you play your own teams in your division, and then you get another division outside the league. The last few years, I think it's fair to say the NFC East has been beaten up on because in the schedule rotation, they have played some of the tougher divisions in the NFL and usually gotten beaten up. But this year, the NFC East, in my opinion, was fortunate enough to have some of the weaker teams on their non-divisional schedules. You think it's any coincidence why the Giants and the Commanders and the Eagles and the Cowboys have all had a resurgence at the same time? I mean, honestly, and, and if you look at the common opponents, right, uh, the Giants and, and Washington, they both played the likes of Tennessee. Giants beat Tennessee. Washington didn't. They both lost to Dallas. They both lost to Detroit. They both beat Houston. They both beat Green Bay. I mean, are you seeing the symmetry? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is crazy that as things stand right now, all four NFC East teams would be in the playoffs. That is such a departure from where the division was at just two years ago. Sure. Oh, I forgot Jacksonville. Both teams beat Jacksonville too. I mean, it, 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 it is what it is. That's why, you know, I, I was very curious at the beginning of the season, even though I thought Philadelphia had the best 53-man roster top to bottom in the National Football Conference. I felt that in September. I, I said to myself, you know, this division – uh, they're going to be primed to surprise people because look at the schedule. It, it, it fell very well in the rotation this year. The Giants' new power structure, uh, Senior Vice President and General Manager Joe Shane, Head Coach Brian Dable. I know that this is only each guy's first season with the team, but boy, as a Commanders fan, it feels like the Giants got those hires right. Uh, what say you? Well, it certainly does in their first year of the regime. Uh, the fact that they came in together, they had worked together for some years, 
that they were part of the rebuild from the bottom to the top with the Buffalo Bills, uh, very, very important. Because not only are they symmetric in every single way that they think, but they've both been guys who've seen teams in their darkest times. I mean, we, we all know what the Bills were a few years ago. They, they had fallen on some really rocky roads. And Joe Shane, uh, as the assistant GM, and Dable, as the offensive coordinator, were two key figures in bringing the Buffalo Bills out of their dark times. And so they understand step by step how you have to pour the concrete before you put up the steel beams on the fifth floor. And, and so, I, I, yeah, it's, it's hard not to have a lot of confidence in these guys. The Giants' starting quarterback, Daniel Jones, uh, the Giants this past offseason did not exercise the fifth-year option in his rookie contract. And so he, this coming offseason is set to be an unrestricted free agent. Would you say that Jones's play this season has increased or decreased the likelihood of him being back with the Giants next season? Very much more likely. I believe that both Barkley and Jones will be Giants in 2023. Whether it takes an extension on one, potentially Jones, and a tag on Barkley, uh, that may be the, uh, the more probable of the scenarios. But I do think both of these guys will remain. Uh, that, of course, does not uh, include the potential for injury between now and the end of this season. If either one of those guys gets badly hurt, that could change the entire equation. God knows that Barkley certainly had enough injuries the last three years of his career. Yeah, so with running back Saquon Barkley, uh, he this coming offseason, like Daniel Jones, is set to be an unrestricted free agent. We know that Saquon can be great. We also know that he has been hurt a good bit, and he is a running back, and the recent history of big money contracts for running backs is really bad. Uh, where is Paul Dettino on whether the Giants should pay big money to keep Saquon? Well, see, I don't look at him as a running back. I look at him as an offensive weapon. I, I think that you've got to be very careful. When you pigeonhole a running back and that's all he does, that's one thing. But if he's also a big part of your passing game, and as you probably know, he is the Giants' leading receiver at this time, uh, now he's just more than that. And when you're talking about you know game planning week to week, I remember Parcells used to tell me all the time, you know, you got to on Monday night when you're game planning for the other team, your coordinators, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to look for the headache players on your opponent. And that means the guys who are going to cause you absolutely sleepless nights trying to figure out how you're going to deal with them. Every team needs some headache players when they're going to challenge their upcoming foe on Sunday. Obviously, Washington has a few headache players. McLaurin's a headache player. I think you would call uh, Payne and Allen headache players. Uh, I'm not so sure they have any, any other guys who quite fit that category. For the Giants, it's certainly Saquon Barkley. And at the moment, he may be the only one who fits that category. Uh, when you're void of headache players, it becomes even more important that, that you keep that guy in the fold. Headache players uh, are, are special, and the more that you can accumulate, the better off you're going to be. And again, Barkley is not just a running back. So I have no problem when you start paying a guy of that nature bigger money. Kamara, 
uh, McCaffrey, even though, again, he's been hurt too. These guys, they cause too many troubles for the other team's coordinators to ignore. We're talking Commanders-Giants with Giants insider Paul Dettino of WFAN Radio in New York and MSG Network Television in New York. Uh, The Giants' offensive line, big problem in recent seasons. I know that the line has dealt with a lot of injury this season, but how has the line performed this season? Well, there's no doubt it's dramatically improved, and it had to be because it, it had been near the bottom of the league for several years. Uh, they they did a a very uh, extensive rebuild. Uh, it started, in all honesty, it, it really started with uh, with Andrew Thomas being drafted, you know, a couple years ago, three years ago exactly now as uh, as the left tackle, and now he's as good as anybody in the league. So then you add Evan Neal this year, the bookend tackle on the right side, and, and that really gives you a legitimate shot. You know, you asked me before about why the Giants have struggled. Well, is it any wonder the last few weeks, Evan Neal, their starting right tackle, has not been in there? Who do you think Saquon Barkley loves to run behind? That's where he wants to go. The Giants are a run-right-heavy team. Evan Neal hasn't been there the last several weeks. Neither has tight end Daniel Bellinger, who happens to be a really good blocking tight end. You take those two guys out of the equation. Is it any wonder that Barkley's going to suffer? So... Um, the bottom line is the Giants at least have not only added quality to their first string offensive line, but they've added quality throughout the depth chart. And that's what's really allowed them to survive at this point, even though they're, they're in their struggles. Uh, they, they've gotten to this point because overall that room is greatly improved. What do you make of the Giants defense this season? And what do you expect from the Giants defense down the stretch of this season? Well, the keys, really, it's they've been outstanding in the red zone and outstanding on third down until the last two weeks. And I hate to say this again, but one of the big keys to that defense was Xavier McKinney, who was a Pro Bowl caliber safety. Uh, Adore Jackson has become a cornerback one, and he's been out for the last couple of weeks. And what has happened? The defense has taken a nosedive. They are not nearly as effective as they had been when they were putting up amongst the league-leading numbers in those two categories earlier this year. Uh, It just goes to show you, again, it's not how many injuries you get, it's where you get them. And when you take your CB1 and your, your, you know, strong, starting strong safety who plays everywhere in a very complex, what I like to call a kaleidoscope scheme, from coordinator Wink Martindale, those are huge. That's like taking, you know, two arms and a leg off of a body. Those are not just injuries. Those are huge injuries, especially in a passing league like the NFL. So how are the Giants going to do defensively the rest of the year? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think McKinney's going to be back for at least another couple of weeks. I don't think Jackson's going to be back for at least another couple of weeks. So, you know, they're treading water. They're just they're they're playing as hard as they can with all these different backups, second, third stringers, just trying to stem the tide. Uh, if their pass rush can improve, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau has been playing much better in recent weeks. So has Leonard Williams. If and, and Ojolari's expected back this Sunday against Washington. 
that might be something that can help camouflage some of the issues in the secondary. You mentioned the Giants defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale, one of the great nicknames in football. Uh, he spent the previous 10 seasons on the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff, including the last four seasons as the Ravens defensive coordinator. You also said that the Giants have a kaleidoscope defense under Wink. Uh, what has stood out to you about Wink in his first season as Giants defensive coordinator? I, I call it the kaleidoscope defense because they are positionless. Um, you know, you list guys as corners, safeties, uh, linebackers, inside linebackers, outside linebackers, defensive ends, defensive tackles. Wink Martindale will just put 11 guys on the field and say, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do the other thing. And it doesn't matter what their job description says. They're going to do what he needs them to do on a particular play. And it's, it's really fun to watch. I mean, through the first half of the season, when he had all of his parts, it was amazing to watch how different their defensive scheme and philosophies were week in and week out. It, I mean, one week they'd be playing this style, using this kind of player deployment. The next week, they would change up a couple of different players just because they felt the matchup was better, and then they deployed those players in a different style and different philosophy. That's why I call it the kaleidoscope. You never know what you're going to see. You never know what you're going to get, but he was kicking people's butts with. And then the injuries started to happen. And again, they lost those two very, very important guys. Ultra Larry's been in and out of the lineup you know, all season. Leonard Williams missed a couple games. Uh, and, and before you know it, you know, now they're, they're scuffling. Now, uh, all I can say is the guy knows what he's doing. And I feel very strongly that the Giants don't, don't get out coached at all when it comes down to a, a game every Sunday. They're, they're going to have the edge on the sideline in most cases. Final question for you. The Giants, even with the three losses in four games, have been one of the biggest surprise teams in the NFL this season. Is there a player or a unit or an aspect of the team that hasn't gotten enough credit, in your opinion? Oh, that's easy. It's Daniel Jones, because the reaction to him is still mixed. If it's not mixed around the country, it's certainly still mixed in New York. There are, there are enough of people who just refuse to open their eyes and see what kind of caliber Daniel Jones is as a quarterback. And I do understand that to some degree because the Giants built a strong, run-heavy offensive line, and they've relied heavily to get to this point on Saquon Barkley. They don't ask their quarterback to be a fantasy football guy, okay? Let me make something clear. Daniel Jones... Uh, he's not going to go out and throw the ball 45 times for 450 yards and four touchdowns. Okay. If that's what you want, then go play fantasy football. If you're Brian Dable, you play in the national football league where the idea is to win games. It's not about putting up fantasy football numbers. And I think a lot of our society these days is too interested in fantasy football and in, in gambling over-unders, that they forget that the quality of the player is determined by the quality of what they do on the field, not the statistics. 
Well, Daniel Jones has had plenty of success against Washington, so we here in the D.C. area are aware of what he can do. Giants insider Paul Dettino of WFAN Radio in New York and MSG Network Television in New York. Paul, thanks a lot for your time. All the best. All right, my man. You too. Enjoy the holidays and uh, have fun on Sunday. All right, up next, my rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Giants on Sunday afternoon, as I will rhyme the path to victory. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Washington in the 2021 regular season swept the New York Giants for the first time since the 2011 regular season. And prior to that, Washington had not swept the Giants since the 1999 regular season. The Giants have been a problem for Washington over the years. Seven and five commanders at the seven and four Giants this Sunday afternoon at one. The commanders are a half game behind the Giants for the NFC's Second wild card spot. How do the Commanders notch would would be a big win? Dare I say a giant win? Uh, and what would be a seventh win in eight games? My friends, it is that time, the time to rhyme. It is time for rhyming keys. My keys to a Commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Oh, these rhymes, they are not meant to be good. They are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment. The worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun. Rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Giants. How do the commanders currently in possession of the NFC's third and final wildcard spot win this game and further climb the NFC playoff standings. We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one. This is for the commander's defense. Do not let Daniel J get away. The Giants starting quarterback, Daniel Jones, a significant run threat. Uh, As I mentioned last segment, he over five career regular season games against Washington is 4-1 and and has 30 carries for 218 yards and a touchdown, 7.27 
yards per carry. Washington faced Jones once last season, the 30-29 walk-off win over the Giants at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football on September 16th, 2021. Jones in that game, nine carries for 95 yards and a touchdown. And the Commanders are coming off a game in which their run defense, which had been great this season, got worked, including by the opposing quarterback. Uh, The Commanders in their 19-13 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field last Sunday afternoon faced a dual-threat quarterback and Marcus Mariota, and he hurt the Commanders big time by a read option run. He finished the game with six carries for 49 yards. Uh, Also, the Commanders allowed running backs Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, and Caleb Huntley to combine for 23 carries for 118 yards. That works out to 5.13 yards per carry. As we discussed with Commanders analyst and former Redskins tight end Logan Paulson on Wednesday's show, episode 453. The Falcons were a bad matchup for the Commanders' run defense, so it's not like it's time to be all worried about the Commanders' run defense, but, you know, the run defense does need to get back to doing as it had been doing, and does need to be better against mobile quarterbacks. Remember, the Commanders also had problems with Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Uh, The Commanders, in their win at the Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6, allowed Fields to have 12 carries for 88 yards. And so, rhyming key, number one, this for the Commanders' defense, do not let Daniel J. get away. Rhyming key for Commanders Giants. And number two, this also is for the Commanders defense. For Saquon Barkley this season, it has been feast or famine. So let the latter be the case when your performance in this game we examine. (laughs) Uh, It is true that Giants running back Saquon Barkley overall is having a good season, but it is also true that he's having a Jekyll and Hyde season 572 of his 992 rushing yards in the 2022 regular season have come over just four games. He has played in all 11 of the Giants games. 57.7% of his rushing yards have come over just four games. When Saquon is on, he is great but he and the Giants' rushing offense haven't always been on. Uh, Saquon, over his last two games, has totaled 26 carries for just 61 yards and a touchdown. Now, yes, the injury-ravaged nature of the Giants has had something to do with that, but, you know, Saquon and the Giants' rushing offense can be contained, and the Commanders this season have done well against a good number of quality running backs. The Commanders in their win at the Houston Texans in Week 11 held Damian Pierce to 10 carries for 8 yards. Uh, The Commanders in their loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field in Week 9 held Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison to combine 19 carries for just 48 yards. That works out to just 2.53 yards per carry. The Commanders in their loss at the Dallas Cowboys at Week 4 held Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard to combine 27 carries for 55 yards. That works out to just 2.04 yards per carry. Let's add Saquon Barkley to the list. And so rhyming key, number two, this for the Commanders' defense. For Saquon Barkley this season, it has been feast or famine, so let the latter be the case 
when your performance in this game we examine. <laughs> uh, rhyming key for Commanders Giants number three. This is for Commanders Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner. Trust B-Rob to do the job. You know me. I love the forward pass. Uh, I talk about the importance of passing offense in the NFL a lot. Uh, and if it so happens that quarterback Taylor Heineke and the passing offense are on fire on Sunday afternoon, great. I mean, it's not like the Giants' pass defense this season has been spectacular, but the Giants' run defense this season also has not been spectacular. How about these stats for ESPN? The Giants for the 2022 regular season through Week 12 were just 30th in the NFL in fewest yards allowed before contact per rush at 3.15, and we're just 29th in the NFL in fewest yards allowed after contact per rush at 2.01. This game on Sunday afternoon does set up to be one in which the commanders can employ their formula of leaning on the running game and chewing up clock. Uh, Could be a second consecutive big game for Brian Robinson Jr., especially if Antonio Gibson is limited by his foot injury. Uh, Of course, we also could see Jonathan Williams do well for a second straight game. But rhyming key number three, this for Scott Turner, trust B-Rob to do the job. And one more, it is number four, rhyming key for Commander's Giants number four. This is for the entire Commander's team. Prolong the Giants' pain and win this game. You know, every season in every league has teams that start off well, but then fade. The Giants in the 2022 NFL regular season are a clear candidate to be one of those teams. The Giants, since a 6-1 start, are just one and three, but it's not just that. The Giants have an overall record of seven and four, despite having a negative point differential minus seven. Uh, now the Commanders are seven and five with a point differential of minus three. But how about this? The Giants have their overall record of seven and four, despite ranking just twenty-first in the NFL in overall team DVOA. For football outsiders, the Giants are a clear in-season regression candidate. Heck, the regression may well already have started. And yes, the Commanders also are a clear in-season regression candidate, but their regression has not started. Not yet, anyway. And so rhyming key number four, this for the entire Commanders team, prolong the Giants' pain and win this game. All right, it is prediction time. The commanders per FanDuel as of very early Friday morning were minus one and a half. You know, the line for this game has come tumbling down over the last 24 hours uh, from commanders minus two and a half to minus one and a half, even minus one in some shops. There is a good bit of public money on the Giants, but that the commanders are favored is significant. I mean, think about this seven and five commanders at the 7-4 and four Giants, and yet the Commanders are favored. Las Vegas, Nevada is feeling the Commanders right now. I am too. Commanders 23, Giants 17. Edge defender Montez Sweat has a key sack strip of Daniel Jones.
Well, hockey can be such a quirky sport, and one of the reasons is that the final score of a game can be very misleading in terms of how the teams played. The Capitals this past Saturday night had a 5-1 loss at the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Terrible score for the Caps, obviously, but they, in the game, actually dominated the puck possession battle. Uh, Well, the Caps late night on Thursday night in Game 3 of a season-long six-game road trip lost at the Seattle Kraken 3-2 in overtime. You might say, okay, 3-2 overtime loss on the road. You get a point. Not a terrible performance. Uh, Do not tell that to Caps head coach Peter Laviolette. The Caps in this game blew a 2-0 second period lead. The Caps in this game got smashed in the puck possession battle. Uh, Now, they did do a good job of limiting the Kraken's shots on goal, but the Caps, per natural stat trick, had just 29 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Kraken's 63. Uh, The Caps finished with 23 shots on goal to the Kraken's 25. Caps totaled 25 block shots. Defenseman John Carlson had a game-high five block shots, but he also had a game-worst plus-minus rating of minus two, and he, for the game, finished with the third-worst five-on-five shot attempt percentage per natural stat trick at 26.47. The Caps with Carlson on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game, had nine shot attempts versus allowing 25 shot attempts. Take a listen to Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters early Friday morning. You will hear multiple exchanges. We begin with a question from our good friend, Smokin' Al Koken of NBC Sports Washington. Did you get off with a good start? Seemed to be controlling playing that first period. What changed in the second and third? I didn't like the first. That's just the, the scoreboard was showing two nothing. The first and second and third were not. They weren't good enough. So the, the scoreboard said one thing in the first. Tried to address it after the first. Um, just not enough of the not enough of the good stuff tonight. Not enough of the right things. It seemed like turnovers, puck decisions, everywhere, execution. everywhere. So the whole night, all three periods. Were you, were you at least happy with the? I mean, you, you didn't want to have to there's, defend there's, as much as you there's, did. But. There's nothing I'm happy about tonight. Yeah, Peter Laviolette, uh, not at all happy with the Caps' performance on Thursday night. And the Caps do remain ravaged by injury, okay? I mean, you do have to constantly remind yourself of that when talking Caps this season. But the fact that the Caps have been hit hard by injury does not excuse the performance that we saw late night on Thursday night. Uh, goaltender Darcy Kemper stopped just to 22 of the 25 shots on goal that he faced, and he committed a penalty. Uh, he committed a second period tripping minor. Uh, the Caps went just 1-2 on the penalty kill, did go 1-4 on the power play. Winger Alex Ovechkin had two secondary assists, a game-high five shots on goal, and a game-high 12 total shot attempts. Uh, I mentioned the Caps having been hit hard by injury. It does appear as if defenseman Dmitry Orloff may be back soon. He joined the Caps in Seattle. Uh, He has been out since suffering a lower body injury uh, in a 3-2 loss to the Arizona Coyotes at Capital One Arena on November 5th. Uh, Caps now are 10-11-4. Next up for the Caps at the Calgary Flames, Saturday night at 10. And a few college football items before we call it a show. On Sunday, we'll learn of bowl games for Maryland and Liberty. Not going to a bowl game is James Madison, 
Uh, even though at this season went eight and three overall, this is the Duke's first season in the FBS, so they're not eligible for the Sun Belt Conference Championship game or a bowl game, but. They ended up finishing first in the Sunbelt's East Division. JMU and Coastal Carolina each went 6-2 and two in the Sunbelt Conference, but the Dukes win the tiebreaker thanks to their 47-7 blowout of Coastal Carolina at Bridgeforth Stadium in Harrisonburg, Virginia last Saturday afternoon. Anyway, congratulations to JMU quarterback Todd Senteo, who the Sunbelt Conference on Thursday morning announced had won the Conference Awards for Offensive Player of the Year and Newcomer of the Year. Uh, Senteo for the 2022 season is number 23 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR at 74.5. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Also on Thursday, multiple reports that Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong has entered the NCAA transfer portal as a graduate transfer. Uh, Look, I don't want to be too hard on the Cavaliers' first-year head coach, Tony Elliott, because I can only imagine what he and his program are going through off the murders of three players by a former player on November 13th, but... The Elliott Armstrong marriage this season just did not work. Uh, Armstrong had a really bad season off a great 2021 season. Elliott installed a new offense that was not conducive to Armstrong's strengths, and that, in conjunction with a lot of drops by Cavs pass catchers and offensive line issues for the Cavs, uh, led to Armstrong having a really rough season. Uh, I don't blame him one bit for transferring, and Actually, Virginia Tech should 100% be in on Armstrong. I have no idea if he would want to go there, but the Hokies are desperate for quarterback help. Armstrong obviously knows the ACC. I would think that he knows a number of Tech's players. Uh, Brennan Armstrong to the Hokies could be very good for Tech. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 456, will feature in-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens with the 7-5 Commanders in their game at the 7-4 New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1. Uh, also, we'll talk Wizards. The Wiz have two games this weekend at the Charlotte Hornets, Friday night at 7, and home to the Los Angeles Lakers Sunday evening at 6. I'll talk Capitals. The Caps are at the Calgary Flames Saturday night at 10. And I'll talk college basketball. Big weekend. Number 22, Maryland, home to number 16, Illinois, Friday night at 9. Georgetown, home to South Carolina, Saturday at noon. Number 3, Virginia, home to Florida State, Saturday afternoon at 2. And Virginia Tech, home to number 18, North Carolina, Sunday afternoon at 3. Have a nice weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. You beat them in their own backyard, you came from behind, and we show we got some character. Next week we get those goddamn giants.